Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in, oh Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello, Happy New Year. Yes, it's It's All Cobblers to Me and this is the preview show. My name's Charles and with me as always is my good friend Danny Brothers who is coming live to us from tier three. Is that right, Danny? I think so, yeah, at the moment. It might have changed when this goes out, to be honest. <laughs> it changes every day. I think so. I'm not sure how, but yeah. Yeah, well, um, I'm in tier four. Um, if you're listening in Northampton, you are also in tier four. Um, Danny is the luckiest one out of all of us, I think, because Chessie's in tier four, uh, down in deepest, darkest Somerset. And, well, Neil's in Northampton, so he's in tier four as well. Um so what what's it like to have a little bit of freedom, Danny? <laughs> no idea. I don't think I've left the house yet anyway. So uh, <laughs> Since March. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, it's, it's not changed that much. We were in, I think we've been in three and then we were in two for a week and then we went back to three over Christmas. So it's not really changed since Christmas time, really. It's, it's just you can probably see a few more people outside, um, which is helpful for random trips to the park and seeing people physically and stuff. But it's not that much different i don't think um, it's a bit like you've done the hokey cokey by the sounds of it yeah and that's yeah my favorite dance as you all know charles absolutely absolutely you and the goats love it <laughs> Me and the goats um, being <laughs> cokey cokey. <laughs> uh, well look we've got something fabulous to look forward to uh, this weekend unfortunately we're not able to actually um be there ourselves to witness it but we are playing sunderland for the first time since the 80s um we're gonna be speaking to a sunderland fan uh, a little bit later on in the show but first of all danny I know that you're a happy 
and excited. But the Cobblers beat Gillingham on Tuesday night by three goals to one. No, we scored three goals. And we three only goals. One. And we won. And we beat Steve Evans, which is always helpful and fun to do. Absolutely. So he got proper wound up on the sidelines, didn't he, as well? Oh, that, but it's that, that photo of Keith yeah. Curl. <laughs> yeah, that's that, one picture oh. of Keith just mid tirade against, and Evans just like crouching up to him. Just he's no match for old Curly O, is he? Well, yeah, this it begs the question, doesn't it? Really, you know, I, often you would say who'd win in a fight out of this person, <laughs> this person. There's no contest. Keith Curl wins that hands down every single time. He's a nightmare. I think Evans would just go in all guns blazing and Curl would just have some underhand tactic just to just to trip him up or something. You'd like have Colin West behind him and just push him over, you know, like you did <laughs> in the background. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it'd, it'd win that way, I think. I, I love my, my favourite part of that photo is just the slight smirk on Dan Watson's face. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's going... Go on, I'd love to see this kick off. Yeah. Please. <laughs> it'll make gone? all my Christmases come true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on, get in there, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> on the pitch, though, it was a really good performance, I thought. Um, although, you and Neil had a different opinion, especially in the first half before yeah. we scored. The first half now was nothing, I don't think. It was it was worryingly going the other way. I think if Gillingham had scored, we would have been in big trouble. Um, but then, it, I mean, it was slightly better but then it, it improves I think the goal gave us a lot of confidence in that um, Ashley Seal and Rose up front were becoming more and more of a partnership rather than just a lump up um, I think Ashley Seal had his best game for us um, great to have him at Williams well, well he stayed on his feet he did he's got new studs I think <laughs> hasn't he um, Santa bought him studs for Christmas yeah, yeah Santa curl um, <laughs> great to have Sheehan back obviously Sheehan but Williams massive massive players for us um, absolutely I thought Watson was really good as well on, on yeah, Tuesday night. Yeah, he played a little bit more advanced than he usually does, than he? Mm. There's a bit more well, freedom, and I think that's what he needs. He needs that bit of freedom and space to, to go and get in the holes and pick passes out. I actually think that the biggest positive from that game on Tuesday night was that so many players had good games. Not outstanding games, you know, but sort of seven out of ten performances. And that has been lacking in recent weeks. So it's nice for me to be able to sort of go at the end of the match or towards the end, sort of be going, well, who would I give the man of the match to? There's at least five that spring to mind immediately. Um, It's nice to have that little bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we were, it was good to see us attacking as well and just creating chances because the last few games have just created nothing. And to see us going forward, you think actually we've got a chance of scoring here, like after about, an hour mark you thought whenever we went forward it looked like we could it felt like it's got a different feeling about it when you know you could create a chance whereas before we just thought we might we're not going to create anything here so um yeah just good all round like you say lloyd jones even slotted in oh <laughs> i was i was going to come to that it was great fun <laughs> us recording the pod on tuesday and really slating lloyd jones he actually didn't do too badly did he so he, he was all right in like that like, i i he, think i think he's got a really unfair crack of the whip this guy because yeah, at the end of the day <laughs> I, I i i get why i get why people are of the opinion well he wasn't good enough for in league two because he didn't get brought back for the playoffs but we don't know the reasoning behind that we don't know that it was because keith didn't feel like he was up to it we don't know that that's what um left him back in luton um and at the same time you're 
he's been training with us, hasn't he, since the start of this season, I think. I mean, maybe he popped off to Plymouth for a little while as well. There was rumours of that. But at the end of the day, the way that the squad system is now working, where you can only have 22 players who are over 21 in your squad, that, that makes things really difficult. I mean, you look at the announcement that was made when Lloyd-Jones came in and it said basically that, you know, um, Nuttall has been taken off the squad list. Never should have been bloody on it, if you ask me. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's he What's he played? Five seconds? Um, and then the club are actually asking Brentford to take Luka Ratchic back. Um, so that's... <laughs> there, was a, there was a Luka Ratchic-shaped uh, Christmas present outside Brentford's new stadium the other day. <laughs> just, just wrapped him up and sent him, sent him over. Oh, well, I, that was a disaster. But I just think that when it comes to Lloyd-Jones, he's getting a, a an unfair amount of criticism on social media from the fans. And we he needs to have a chance. And if you ask me, that three at the back of Jones, Sheehan and Bolger looked 10 times better than any other back three that we've had so far this season. Yeah, it looked more solid, didn't it? I think that's, that's a start to be more solid. Um, we were probably a little bit arshing him on the, on the podcast the other day, but um, it, what it was last season, I think he came into a back three with, that was solid, that wasn't moving anywhere. Um, mm. So when, when he come in and he's up against Good, Wharton and Turnbull, like the trio of them, there's no way he's going to look like anywhere near as good as any of them, is he? So it's, you know, like you say, give him a chance and see what happens. Yeah. It's someone Keith Cole obviously knows and, trust so give him a go it must be a cheap option as well so still think we need one more potentially in there that's a properly experienced league one defender and leader but yeah see how it goes it wasn't it wasn't Wharton back on loan or scott Wharton back on loan yeah get him in get him in although i've there are rumors aren't there have you seen these rumors about charlie good no i can imagine that. apparently there are rumors saying that we might get him back on loan i i don't i'm not reading anything into it I don't quite see where they're coming from. If they've come from like EFL Hub or Transfer Market on Twitter, then we all know that they're flaming rubbish. But Transfer Meerkat. Transfer Meerkat, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that, I, I think Scott Wharton is, is a higher possibility than having yeah, Charlie come back. Yeah, I mean, Charlie's not been playing. That's the only reason people are saying, isn't it? But they're going to need him for their squad. It's going to be a busy few months again, hopefully. Um, so yeah. I'd, I'd have Wharton back, though. Oh, I definitely have Wharton back. Yeah, absolutely. Get him in. Get him Why not? in. Um, well, look, I'd love to sit here and just, just chat about how good it was, that win. I mean, we didn't even get to mention Sam Hoskins' thunder whack from the <laughs> penalty, penalty spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, absolutely cracking pen. Um, but we've got to move on. We've got to go and move forward and look ahead to our next game against Sunderland, which is at home at Sixfields. Obviously, no fans are going to be there to witness it. You will have to make sure that you're on iFollow uh, to get a piece of the action or indeed listen on your wireless to Radio Northampton, whichever way that you decide to do it, um, then go for it. The one thing that I'm going to say, because I'm, I'm struggling right now, I'm, I'm literally trying to open a browser to, to just tell me, what day are we actually playing this match? Because I'll, I'll be honest, everything's blurred into one here. Um, the 2nd of January, which is... Saturday, 3 o'clock, Sixfields. 
Oh, thank goodness for that. Brilliant. Well, here to help us talk through that game and preview it is Sunderland fan and host of the What the Folk podcast. It's Graham Folk. How are you, Graham? Hi, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Just, um, I was going to say living life up in tier four, but I think it's not exactly opposite. I'm just sitting in a chair like I have been since, as you said, March. Uh, so I'm all right. I'm not bad. <laughs> now you're not actually in Sunderland you're in Scotland so you're you're under slightly different regulations than us but not too much is there to to take between us I don't think nah as does open and there's not many people on the streets which I assume is probably the same as uh, as same as it is at my mum's at the minute who back uh, back down in Sunderland so yeah I imagine it's more or less the same but we've been in tier four for a little bit longer so I'm a, a veteran of tier four so I can assure you it doesn't get any better <laughs> um well let's start by asking just how much have you missed going to the football this season a lot, really, to be honest. I'm, I'm luckier than some in the sense that I've been able to go to, I think in total, it's been 21 games I've managed to get to this season, um, but they've been a very different level. Um, I work, I, I do media for a, a women's football team. The majority of the games have been that, and if anyone does media or has seen a media person, it's a very different job to like being a fan. It's a totally different experience. So I've kind of missed uh, seeing my friends before the game, going to the pub, having one or two, three or four. I am, I've been living in Scotland for a decade. So a half bottle of Buckfast on the way down as well is always complimentary. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy that also. But it's, although I've been at football more than most people I know, it's just such a different experience. And like, I can't remember the last time like I sang a song. I can't remember the last time I hugged someone at a match. It's just such a different experience. I'm nine times out of ten I'm there with a the camera or I'm writing a match report. It's not the experience that I've grew up with with football. Um, I'm missing that a lot. It's it's difficult to get angry at the TV. I mean, Sunderland have tested me this season, especially in the Parkinson, but it's it's very different shouting in an old tenement flat in Glasgow as comparison to sort of screaming at the stadium light. So, yeah, I'm missing it a lot, and I'm, I'm annoyingly becoming a little bit too used to football behind closed doors. I think one of the things that I've noticed is how much I'm kind of enjoying being able to just roll over, open the iPad or the laptop or whatever, and, and just click a few buttons and, and then be watching my team play through a screen rather than having to travel to the match, get cold, and then watch her to dross. At least this way, when I watch her to dross, I can just turn it off and then turn around to my family and, and get on with life. Yeah, there is there is an element of that, absolutely. I think for me, um, one thing that I really miss, as I've kind of alluded to, is living in Scotland. It gives me an opportunity to sort of go back and see some of like the, the pubs that I went to when I was sort of younger and stuff like that, when I was young and first started going to the match. Um I suppose, in a way, one thing it, it's taught me is that if there's anything I miss, it's probably not the actual football. It's probably the day out um, and the whole social aspect of it. I love the game as it is, but without fans, it feels it does feel a little bit sterile, doesn't it? It doesn't feel anywhere near like the same thing. It's maybe 10% of that. I still celebrate when we win, but it's better to celebrate and then go over the bridge at the stadium of light, get a few beers in, you know, wherever it may be. And those one or two beers, if you've won, go into a night where you end up getting at like three in the morning. And I haven't done that for so long. 
it's kind of like if we win, I might crack open one of the posh beers I've got in the fridge. It's just not quite the same, to be honest. But hopefully it's, you know, with the news of the vaccine and stuff today, it's around the corner. We can actually do that again in some way in, in the near future. I'm, I'm sure, Danny, that there somewhere is a dig to be had about Premier League armchair fans and Sunderland. <laughs> but they've been out of the Premier League for so long, it maybe feels a bit unfair. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's, I mean, I, I will bring, we'll naturally bring Netflix up later upon it, probably. But um, <laughs> watching that documentary, it, it is like a proper working class uh, football area where people just live for the weekend and live for the for the football. It's like, like you were saying before, um, that it's not particularly the football that you look forward to. It's just the meeting up and the the gathering of people that you see your mates, and you can moan to them about it in person, and you can you know, share the moments and see the goals and cheer them and stand up when the goals go in and stuff. It's it's more about that than it is the the actual performances on the pitch a lot of the time. So I can I can definitely see where a team like Sunderland are missing the fans. You, you, on the pitch as well, I can imagine it's going the same way that you need fans in there to to push you on again. Um like you you see teams like like Sheffield United and stuff in the Premier League really struggling because they haven't got the fans in there. That whole thing is about the atmosphere of the home games. I can imagine it's pretty similar in Sunderland as long as you're doing well. <laughs> it's funny with Sunderland, I think for a lot of time we've been it, I think Newcastle get it a little bit as well. Sometimes we're perceived as fans that are very negative and getting the players back. But since we've been in League One, we've only lost like one league game per season at home um, mm. yeah we've lost a few away but I think we lost to Coventry in the first season and Burton last season and if my calculations are correct already this season we've lost to Portsmouth MK Dons and Wigan at home so we've we've lost more games at the stadium like without fans and that that doesn't surprise me at all um, it, it does sound cliche you know when you you say like it's that the, these areas in the, the northeast is very much about you know, going to the match on a Saturday. But I think there's a lot of areas like that. But honestly, Sunderland is like that. Like I I moved to Glasgow about 10 years ago uh, for professional reasons and I couldn't give up my season ticket. And you used to get people going like, why are you going to see your team get beat every week? And it was like, well, what else am I going to do on a Saturday? I literally don't have much else. And even when I found other things, it's such a routine. And I think it just knocks the routine completely, doesn't it? And I think, I think Sunderland as an area is definitely feeling it 100%. I think one of the things that is going to be interesting for Sunderland from now on is that you have got a new manager. You've you've got rid of Phil Parkinson, who I have to I have to say felt like a really strange appointment yeah. when he got given the job in the first place. Bizarre. I mean, he's not done anything for years. Years and years and years. And so to get given a big job like Sunderland, and I don't just mean that. Sunderland being big as in a big club, I, it's there is it's a big job on your hands if you're going to manage that football club. There is so much to 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 change um, that I just kind of look. Phil Parkinson just doesn't strike me as the type of manager that would have, you know, done the thing that that you need to happen this season, which is promotion. I don't think um, anyone had him down as their first, the second, the third, fourth, or the fifth choice. And and don't get me wrong, people might disagree with me here. He seems like a nice enough bloke. Some people have said certain things about his personalities. I know some players have said certain things on specific podcasts about him. Um, I've, I, I can't say I've ever met him, but he's, he comes across as a relatively 
likable bloke is you know in the same way that your next door neighbor is a good bloke but he's not he's certainly not inspiring um <laughs> and Sunderland fans have always had or successful Sunderland teams have always had a charismatic manager in my lifetime Peter Reid uh, Mick McCarthy um Sam Allardyce they've all had a degree of success Gus Poyet um they've all had their feelings but they've all the majority of the time been more successful and gone on to do sort of good things with us like Poyet got us to a cup final the great escape mm. Sam Allardyce kept us up if he hadn't got to England that might have worked out Phil Parkinson kind of felt a little bit like would you say he's bland yeah, bland. Yeah, like they're like Walter White before he became Walter White in Breaking Bad. Like season one, Walter White, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and unfortunately, he never, he never went any any further than that. He was like a substitute teacher, is what used to get thrown at him. He's, he's very much like that. Um, and his style of football is boring as well. Um, so it wasn't like, and Sunderland fans wouldn't care if we won. If, in my opinion, I can't speak for everyone, but I don't think they would. But yeah, it was just. Just very bland, and it felt like we it felt like we were on pause for like a whole year, if that makes sense. Lee Johnson's come in, um, former Bristol City manager, did quite well with Bristol City by all accounts. Uh, maybe ran out of steam there a little bit. Um, most importantly for us, though, the link is his dad, Gary Johnson, who obviously used to manage us uh, and nearly took us down and out of the football league. So what, what's Lee Johnson brought to the Stadium of Light then in the short period of time that he's actually been with you? I suppose um, in general, it sometimes feels a little bit of a happier place at the moment, but it's hard to judge because our last four games have been called off due to sort of COVID. But um he made a really good decision when he first came in. Um, Aidan McGeady, who's far and wide our best player and probably the most naturally talented player in the entire league, he was ousted by Phil Parkinson for seemingly no reason. I'm sure Phil Parkinson would have a different viewpoint, but Aidan did an official club podcast and sort of explained the whole situation. I won't go too in-depth with it, but it certainly seems strange. I'd, I'd like to hear Phil Parkinson's side of it, but... He took over on the, the Saturday morning, literally two hours before the Wigan game, but um, Aidan said that he'd, he'd he'd rang him on the Friday and said, look, look you're, you're going to be in the team like sort of from the off, which I thought was quite a, a boldy decision. And he comes across quite like that. He's he's a bit David Brenty, which I'm not 100% on. <laughs> um, after the the whole Charlie Methven coming across like that in, in Sun Until I Die. But hmm. in general, he speaks well. Um, he's... He's injected a bit of pomo, whatever that means, and um, he has like these certain areas of the pitch that he has like special names for and things like that. And I think one of the areas just outside the box is the individual brilliance zone, and he's <laughs> he's kind of funny in a kind of David Brent way. But truth be told, the performance we put in against Lincoln was absolutely brilliant. Uh, we were three 0 at half time. He's he's brought some of the youth players in. He's brought McGeady back in from the cold. He's he changed the formation. Um, we did get beat off Wigan, and we were um, shite, for want of a better word. Um, <laughs> but he'd only been in like two hours, literally two hours he was appointed before. We then went and beat Lincoln 4-0, and then we drew 1-1 with AFC Wimbledon. But we had 13 first-team players out, um, some of them through injury, eight of them out because of COVID. So as much as I was angry and I felt the side at that time was good enough to win, it's kind of hard to hold it against them. It seems positive. Um, I wouldn't say anyone would have probably chosen him as first choice until he was mentioned, but 
when he got picked and when he got named, everyone sort of thought, well, you know, fair enough. That seems like a a relatively decent appointment. That the big thing for us is the fact that we've been or on the verge of being taken over. I think people had wanted Stuart and Charlie out for a while, and although they're still going to be part of the club, it's at a very much a diluted um, share. And it, obviously, I think I'm pronouncing his name correct, Kirill Lewis Dreyfus. Um, who is 22 year old, by the way, which I find bizarre, has mm. I think taken an 80% um, chunk of the club. So things things are feeling quite positive, and very much that was started by Lee Johnson. And um, so I think so far, so far, so good, minus the David Brent isms. <laughs> um, Danny, you mentioned it earlier. Um, the Netflix documentary "Sun Until I Die." The big thing for Cobblers fans um, was that in that documentary, we found out that you're, now correct me, uh, I might be getting the um, the actual job title wrong here, but I think it was director of football, um, was our very own um, top goal scorer from the 80s, Richard Hill. <laughs> Is he still at Sunderland? No, because he was useless um <laughs> for want of a better word he's again and i'm sure he's an, a nice man but he and southern fans listening to this will, will probably understand where i'm coming from with it um his job was recruitment and sometimes when stuart donald took over stuart came from eastley so quite a jump um if that's not being too arrogant um mm-hmm. it's quite a jump eastley to sunland and it started off all quite well, but gradually there was a lot of people that came from Eastleigh that got jobs in the background. And it became a bit of a joke, like whenever there was a new job that came up, say the media job came up, someone would say, oh, why don't we just give it to the guy from Eastleigh sort of thing. And <laughs> Richard Hill kind of was the first person that came with that. And obviously you watched him in um, Sun Until I Die. Uh, he's trying to sort of advise Stuart Donald on what to do and... I think it's Stuart that comes off as a naive one in there, but Sunderland's recruitment, as I think I said to you sort of off the record before, it's just not been it's not been great mm. for a long, long time and, and he certainly didn't improve it. Um and that's why we're still in League One pretty much. Mm. I think the the scene that got me, Danny, was I think it was deadline day and Sunderland <laughs> were gonna sign Will Grigg for a ridiculous amount of money and Richard Hill was just going, No. Don't do it. Don't do it. What was it like? Two or three million or something at the end? Was it? Four million. Four million. Three million and one million if we get promoted to the Premier League. Oh, well, at least you saved yourself a million quid then. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) How how do you feel about that documentary as a whole, Graham? Does it do justice to your football club? It's an interesting one um, because I was... Unlucky slash lucky enough to be in the second season. Um, but I actually prefer the first season, even though that season was a lot more difficult to live through. I liked how the first season was very much about the fans. I mean, it wasn't about the football because, good God, um, it was that was <laughs> a bad season. Um, and also a difficult time. I mean, you had Chris Coleman, who's a relatively likable bloke. Simon Grayson, not the greatest manager and certainly didn't inspire us, but I wouldn't say he was like hated on WSI, just not the man for the job, but it was, we had no money and all that kind of stuff. So it sort of fixated on a little bit of that. 
an awful lot of it was on the fans and the kind of the passion and the the hope that never really died, even though we were absolutely shocking on and off the pitch. So, yeah, I think the first season summed us in a, a really, really good light. For me, the second season was a little bit, um, a little bit too much Charlie and a little bit too much Stuart. And um, obviously, the I think it's episode four or something. I was quite lucky in the sense that, or the old pod, the old podcast I used to do. It, we used to have Stuart and and Charlie occasionally used to come on, and um, Stuart actually came on two days after the playoffs. Which, for want of a better word, I was absolutely raging with him. Um, I was raging with the whole team. I was raging with the fact we hadn't been promoted and the mistakes that had been made, and and mainly the Will Griggs situation. Um, but that the fact that I was even on it probably sums up how I felt the second season was. It was all about Stuart and Charlie, and that was the only reason I was on. And it was about um, there was a bit where I disagree with them about Will Greg and me and Charlie ended up having a little bit of an argument, so to speak. Um, and that kind of sums up a little bit what Charlie and Stuart sort of felt like in the second season that it was all about them. And I think the Will Greg situation. As much as I remember it as a fan, it was great because you felt like you had this chairman that was like, well, we need a man because we'd lost Josh Madger, who'd scored 16 goals, and you felt like Will Grigg was the obvious choice. And as a fan, you were like, oh, man, this is this is great. This guy's just gone, well, I don't care how much I need to spend. My manager needs it. There you go. But then when you watch it back, if anyone ever mentions something to the die, a lot of people go, what do you think of the Will Grigg situation? Because um, that bit made me laugh. And it is kind of... You do sort of go, oh god, yeah, it was awful to watch. Um, I'm just very, very lucky that Netflix, thankfully, edited me questioning the signing of Will Grigg directly after he'd signed about three or four games, making me look like I'd called bullshit really early doors <laughs> when it was actually an end of season podcast. So I'd had a good three or four months to call that bullshit. But thanks for doing that, Netflix, because you made me look absolutely fab. <laughs> <laughs> very nice of them. <laughs> so moving on um, to this season and coming up on Saturday, are you just happy to be playing a game again? Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, I think sure. What is it now? Four games off, is it, in a row? Four games, yeah. And it was yeah. it came at like a bad time. If it had come two months ago, it would have been all right because we hadn't been playing very well. Um, and we haven't played all that well all season. The start of the season, we sort of trucked along um, getting results against decent teams. You know, 1-0, 2-1, beat Peterborough 1-0, we beat Ipswich 2-1 in pretty even games with penalties and red cards and stuff. And there was murmurs of, well, we're not playing very well, but we're winning. This is going to come unstuck. We're not really getting chances. We're only scoring penalties. At the time, I was quite happy just to be winning. Couldn't care less. But then eventually, the Parkinson situation, it just, I mean, we started getting beat off MK Dons and like, drawing it home to like teams that were just, horrendous if I'm honest um, who just sat behind the sat basically sat in their own half and wasted time um, whereas Lee Johnson came in and sort of fixed a few things he you know was positive that Parkinson went everyone was kind of happy about Johnson coming in he was quite a bobbly funny character we went to Lincoln who was second top at the time and with three not at half time he put a few of the youngsters in and then COVID hit and it was kind of like oh, that's just so typical that that would happen. Um, but I think I think people want it back. I was kind of pleased that I didn't have to watch Sunderland over Christmas because I'm kind of used to them ruining it. Um, <laughs> I think COVID is the enough to ruin Christmas for me this year. But we're, we're pleased to be back, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it'd be nice to see a game. But then if we get beat or we draw, then people might say a little bit different. 
Yeah, it's that um, Lincoln win that stood out to me when I was looking through your results. You won four nil away at Lincoln. We've just lost four nil at home to them, so that's not really not a good sign. Because um, I thought they were pretty impressive, but maybe we were just really bad that night. I think it was probably a mix of both, but um, definitely the style as well of Lee Johnson. Because I've always heard he's talked about in positive light in terms of the way he plays football and the way he likes his teams to play. And he's prob- I'm not sure if the players been in training and stuff last few weeks, or is it just been a complete shutdown? Well, I Has think, he been able to get his ideas across quite quite well? I think so. Um, he did like a he did a podcast with the official Sunland direct after the Adam McGeady podcast with the the Sunland um, podcast, and he, he spoke and said he'd been able to do some Zoom sessions and stuff like that. So maybe not ideal, but I think I think the Akron game with ourselves was maybe just postponed. I, I don't know this, but I think it was maybe postponed shitty for the fact that the players hadn't had any training. There might have been some players still recovering from COVID. I think the majority should have recovered by now. We had, I think it was 11 cases or eight, eight to 11 cases, which is, yeah, it's insane. Um, but I think he, he'll have had enough time and he's probably done enough with them on Zoom and stuff like that and, and kind of implement his ideas as best as possible. But um, yeah, the LinkedIn performance was great. Um, we almost went, one nil down twice in the opening ten minutes, but from there on in we were totally in control. And he's changed the formation already. He's changed the style of play. I think for a long time it was just Parkinson direct football. Um, Lee Johnson seems to be very uh, proactive in that he wants us to get the ball down and you know play in a specific way. Which is if it works, is obviously gonna. Or if it works the way it did at Lincoln, you know, fingers crossed, we we should no longer be in League One come end of the season. Um, but it's still early doors. I, I I can't say that I'm a hundred percent confident that won't have elements of the Parkinson performance because the the Wimbledon performance did. But then again, he had eight players. There's look, there's so many things about that Wimbledon game that you can attest to it. But there's been sometimes a season when we've had a lot of possession, but a lot of possession on the 18 yard box and done nothing with it. I think. Lee Johnson wants us to take a few more risks and, and sort of get in the box and get more um, crosses in the box and get the ball into the box a bit more as opposed to just launching it from the back. So hopefully the, the few weeks he's had off has given him an, an opportunity to assess you know the, this game in particular because I'm guessing he knew Accrington was going to be off and maybe study your team a little bit more, what problems you're going to cause us, but mainly impose what he classes as our style of play on, on use, hopefully. I nearly laughed then. I was going to say, that might not have lasted that long. <laughs> Looking ahead from a cobbler's perspective, Danny, the one thing that I'd like to see happen is Keith Kell name an unchanged side from that mm. team that, that beat Gillingham on Tuesday night. Odds yeah. aren't in my favour for that happening, of course, because it is Keith Curl that we're talking about. But... I'd I'd really like to see some continuity now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It needs to be settling a little bit now, doesn't it? It's, he chops and changes so much, and it seems to be whenever we get somewhere, he changes it up again. Or even and with a type of team now that even one or two changes makes a massive difference. Um, and uh, yeah, we we need especially the spine of the team to be the same. I think the front line doesn't need changing at all. Um, like the middle of the pitch, she and McWilliams, like we were saying earlier, just were so good on Tuesday night um, that we're going to need battlers in there, especially in a game like this. So we, we're going to be facing a team that's obviously got so much more quality than us. So we need to 
try and impose our game on us, which I assume Wimbledon would have been a similar kind of game for Sunderland. Um, try and try and get our style on onto them. Otherwise, we're in for a long afternoon, I think. Yeah. Well, let's uh, end as we always do with our predictions. Uh, I'm going to go with a one-all draw. I think our pitch is going to be the 12th man, if you like, <laughs> for the cobblers. Uh, there's no fans there to do it. So we'll, let the, pitch, it. <laughs> we'll let the pitch do it for us. Interesting. According to Steve Evans on Tuesday night, some of his players said that it was like playing on quicksand on certain areas mm. of the six fields turf. So maybe, who knows, that might just play into our hand a little bit. But I, I think we'll score <laughs> first. Are you sure that wasn't him just standing on the turf and it just sinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Now, now, be kind. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think we'll score first. And if we do, then there's a chance. I mean, obviously there's a chance. It sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but... I can't see someone not scoring. And if they score first, I think that's it. And we'll be, you know, four, five, six, whatever. Um, and we'll be crying into our bovarals again. Um, but no, I, I think if we score first, I think we'll get a draw and it'll be one all. Um, Danny? I was going to go with one all, but that was being really optimistic. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go two all. Um, cool. and again, it is. <laughs> it's it's one of those. It's a bit of not a free hit, but it's it's one that we're not going to expect to get anything from. I think for, in terms of the outside, it just because the size of the club that Sunderland are and the new manager bounce they've got still and and things like that. They've obviously got some quality players, like I said. So I'd take a point all day long. Um, and it's just a shame. It's another one of these we just want to be in there because mm. that atmosphere would have been cracking going into that. It's one of those games you just look forward to at the start of the season. When even when we've gone up, we the first thing we were saying on our after playoff final win podcast slash piss up was <laughs> you know we get to play the likes of Sunderland and go and watch that. And it's just a shame that we're we're not able to do that. So hopefully we can still come up on the last day of the season and have a bit of a party. But. Absolutely. Until then, absolutely. yeah, an, an optimistic to all. Let's go. Optimistic. I mean, that's very optimistic that we'll score twice. I uh, scored three the other time. <laughs> yeah, but the, mm, Gillingham, Sunderland. <laughs> hmm. uh, <laughs> Graham, your prediction for this game on Saturday, please. Uh, I'll take a two-one Sunderland. Um, I don't know why I'm optimistic because, in truth, we haven't had that many great performances recently. I think we've had. Two draws of defeat. And you a haven't win. had any performances recently. Graham. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I think I've kind of forgot how bad we can be, and, and kind of just that Lincoln game just stuck in my head. Um, but I think, <laughs> and with the greatest of respect, if we want to go up, we need to be going to places like Northampton, places like Wigan, teams in the the bottom ten, and getting three points, and also getting three points at home if we're serious about going up with automatic promotion. Um, and and I think we can. Um, I think we've got a, a good enough team to go there and get, you know, a victory by the odd goal. But I'd be, I'd like another four 0 if possible. But I'm going to take two one. Okay, thank you very much for joining us, Graham. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me. Do make sure that you go and check out What the Folk, which is uh, Graham's podcast all about Sunderland. Um, if you go there, then you'll find my voice irritatingly in your ears once more um, for a whole hour, though. So I mean. 
it must be good <laughs> um, thanks very much for listening don't forget to subscribe to the podcast that makes sure that you'll get all of our podcasts straight into your phone tablet computer whatever do go and check out our website cobblers to me.com uh, this episode of the podcast is dedicated to two very special people to us here at the podcast first of all martin smith son of god um hopefully you'll be half happy on saturday afternoon and to regular listener and newcastle united fan brian as well um i'm sure you enjoyed this episode a lot goodbye Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.